Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Pastor Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for another podcast. Hey, before we jump into the lesson, I want to mention a book that I put out years ago. It's called The Building Blocks of Leadership. This is a really, really interesting book. The first two chapters deal with the seven laws of leadership that every leader has to master. These are laws. They are at work in the positive. They're at work in the negative. And it's the seven laws that every leader has to master. The first one is pretty obvious. It's the law of growth. But under the law of growth, I go through the eight characteristics of what growth really is. And then at the very end of the book, uh, I deal with the seven P's of leadership. And that was one of the most fun lessons I've ever, ever done. I think you will enjoy it. You can go to my website. You can get it, The Building Blocks of Leadership. Hey, today I want to take a minute. I want to walk you through a lesson entitled Leadership Equity. Leadership Equity. Now, when I talk about leadership equity, uh, think in the financial terms. Someone buys a house. They've been in the house for maybe 10, 12 years. What happens is over a period of time, through increased value or through paying down the loan, they develop equity. And so the house may be worth one amount, but they owe a lesser amount. And the difference between the value and what they owe is the equity in it. And the same thing with pretty well anything you buy, uh, you can create equity. Uh, it was John Maxwell who made this statement. He said, you always need some change in your pocket. Now, I get it. There's some very young people out here who listen to these podcasts. Change is when you used to give someone a dollar and something costs maybe 65 cents and they'd give you 35 cents back in change. Well, that change is what he was referring to, that you have to have some currency, some change in your pocket. So if you're going to lead, you're going to have to have some change. People will follow you according to the change you have, the equity you have in your pocket. So let's, before we even get into this lesson, talk about how do you create leadership equity? How do you get to the place? Now, again, let's start at zero. The lowest level of leadership influence is having a title. That's all you have. You're the manager. You're the chief executive in whatever corner office. You have the title. But what we know is having a title is not enough. If you're going to lead and lead effectively, then you have to have some change. So let me give you a few things that create leadership change in your pocket. Time does. See, people want to watch leaders over time. They want to watch them on good days and bad days. And what they learn from time is it tells them if you have staying power. If you have staying power. So what goes on is time 
lets them know if you have staying power. Well, do you have change? Do you have staying power? Well, not only that, integrity. Integrity tells them whether you have character. Do you cut corners? Do you do the little things that need to be done so that you maintain integrity before God and before man? Well, time and integrity will create change. Knowledge, competency. Well, competency means that they say, hey, this person knows what they're doing. They get it. They wrap their arms around it. They have knowledge. So three things that create change, time, people understand if you have staying power, integrity, they understand if you have character, knowledge uh, tells them if you're going to be competent, and then four, sacrifice. Sacrifice. Are you willing to make a sacrifice? This tells people if you're committed. And see, in leadership, people need to know that you're committed because why should they be committed if their leader's not committed? And then five, a cause. You have a reason. You have passion. So here it is, time, staying power, integrity, character, knowledge, competency, sacrifice, commitment, and cause, passion. What that does is it creates change in your pocket. Change in your pocket. So I want to go through a leader who had great equity but lost it all. And that leader in the Old Testament is King Saul. Now, understand the level of equity he had. Israel wanted a king. He's going to be the first king. He's what the people of Israel said they wanted. We want to be like other nations. We want to be like the nations around us that all have kings. They wanted a king. They went to Samuel and said, we've got to have a king. Samuel tried to intervene and said, hey, this isn't God's best, but no, they wanted one. And so when Saul became king, he had levels of equity. He was the only king they had ever known. So he had the highest level of equity. He wasn't being compared to somebody. He wasn't being referenced as a, a, a point of saying, well, this king did this or that. He is starting with a pristine uh, blank sheet of paper. He has equity. But here's a man who has the highest level of equity that is going to lose every bit of it. And I want you to see how he lost his equity. The first example is from 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 9 and 10. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. And then you go down to verse 10 towards the end of it. And it says, and Samuel came. Now, for those of you that know the biblical setting, we know that 
Saul is the king. Samuel is the priest. Kings don't offer offerings and sacrifices. Priests do. So in the Old Testament, there was the, the prophet, the priest, and the king. The prophet who foretold, the priest who ministered and did offerings, and the king who ruled. The one thing that happened in the Old Testament was, is the king didn't get into the priest's job, and the priest didn't get into the prophet's job, and the prophet didn't get into the king's job. See, here's the deal. If you're going to lead, you have to stay in your lane. You know how it is nowadays, you have these fancy cars, and if you're driving and maybe your attention is diverted and you start pulling over and you start heading into the lane next to you, it'll sort of jerk the uh, steering wheel. It may jar your seat a little bit. Why? It's saying you've got to stay in your lane. And one of the things that you find in leadership is leaders lose their equity when they get out of the lane that God's put them in. So let me give you some lane changing information. You can't do everything. God hasn't asked you to do everything. So you can't do everything. Next, you shouldn't do everything. Everything you can do is not something that you should do. But staying in your lane requires faith. Faith in God that if you stay in your lane, God will take care of things that are not in your lane. See, the reason we get out of our lane is that we think, well, we've got to take care of this or this won't happen. And God's saying, you just stay in your lane. You can't do everything. I haven't asked you to do everything. But here's what we learned from Saul. The need to do everything will get you in trouble. If you feel the need to do everything, if you feel the, do, the need to do everything every other church does, every other organization does, every other group does, you're going to get yourself in trouble. You've got to stay in your lane. The most highly prolific ministers and leaders I know, they stay in their lane. But what's going to happen is, Saul's going to get out of his lane and it's going to cost him. And what it cost him was by getting out of his lane, God said, no one in your family will be the next king. What we know is kings begot kings, but not in Saul's case. He cut off his family from ever being in the throne. The next thing is if you want to lose leadership equity, become obsessed with the clock. Now, here's the thing. Leaders are biased towards action. They want to do something. But the one thing you can't do is you don't control the clock. In 1 Samuel 13 and verse 11, and it says, Samuel came to Saul and he says, what have you done? And then Saul answers, and you did not come within the days appointed. What is he saying? The clock was ticking. The clock was bothering me. Things didn't happen when I thought they should happen. 
They didn't happen on the time that I thought that they should happen. And because they didn't happen when, and they didn't happen on the schedule I thought they should happen, here was the deal. Don't be obsessed with the clock. The battles of extreme. Wait and let go. Do you have the ability to just wait and let go of the clock? Be still and know that he is God. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. See, when you're undisciplined, you lack the ability to trust that the God who's from everlasting to everlasting, that means before time and at the end of all time, that he can control all the time in between. So Saul's heading down this road. He has all this equity, but now he's in a position that he's not staying in his lane. He's doing things he's not supposed to do. He's obsessed with the clock. He's in a hurry to make things happen. And as a result of that, each one of these is beginning to cause him a loss of equity. The next one, the struggle with self. Now, let's be honest. The biggest battles I face, the biggest battles you face, are the battles that we face when it comes to ourselves. What those battles are, the struggle with self. Now, God had told Samuel in 1 Samuel 15 that he was to go to battle with the Amalekites. Now, for Israel, there's a lot of history here. And that history goes back to Jacob and Esau the two brothers that were in a constant battle. And when Israel came out of the promised land, they go through land that the Amalekites possessed, Esau's relatives, his descendants, Jacob's relatives, his descendants. And the Amalekites seek to attack Israel. This was one of those uh, pivotal moments because they did something that shouldn't have been done. And God said, you're going to win a victory, and that victory is going to be total. And so in 1 Samuel 15, verse 9, it says, and you were unwilling to utterly destroy them. Here's the thing. What Saul was dealing with figuratively was the fact that Jacob and Esau were brothers, that Israelites and the Amalekites were descendants. They were related to each other. But here's what Saul couldn't do. Saul was struggling with self. He couldn't put self down. He couldn't say to self, stop it, quit it. And so what Saul's going to do is he's going to preserve a little bit of self. Let me take you to the New Testament. Maybe this will be a better illustration. Galatians chapter 2. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith 
of the Son of God who loved me. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. Here's the thing. At some point, my life has to be bigger than me. But what we do is what Saul did. We hold on to a little bit of ourselves. And we want to preserve ourselves. When God said, it's no longer I that liveth. It's what John the Baptist say. I decrease that he might increase. When people say, well, I want more of God. What that means is God's going to get more of you. So are you willing to let your life be rolled up into God in totality? So he didn't stay in his lane. He became obsessed with the clock. He struggled with self. And then he wasn't all in. His commitment was partial. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, and the lambs. But Samuel's going to come and says, what is that bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? See, they were told that they were to have nothing to do with the Amalekites. But now he's preserved it. And see, here's what God said. Obedience isn't graded on a curve. So the fact that most people aren't obedient, that doesn't make you obedient. The fact that most people choose not to do what God says, it doesn't mean that you are doing what God says. And so Saul's sitting here and his obedience is partial. But he thinks because he's partially obedient, then that's good. So let's just give the natural example. The person who gives but doesn't tithe. Well, are they obedient? Yes. Are they fully obedient? No. They're partially obedient. The person who forgives but doesn't forgive everyone. Are they obedient? Yes. Are they partially obedient? The person who prays occasionally but doesn't have a prayer life, are they obedient or are they partially obedient? So you see these little struggles, getting outside your lane, trying to do everything, being obsessed with the clock. It didn't happen when I think. The struggle with self, I've got to protect a little bit of me, even though God says he wants all of me and all in. I'm going to obey God to a point, but not totally. And then he failed to accept responsibility. And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to do sacrifice to the Lord your God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Now, when Samuel asked Saul, Saul doesn't say, you know what? My bad. I'm sorry. My mistake do you know what he says? He said, the people did it. The people did it. And so he didn't accept responsibility. He didn't say my bad, my fault. Maybe if he would have come clean and repented, the journey would have looked different from here on out. But by blaming the people, it set in motion 
the fall of his leadership equity. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 17, so Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes. See, here's the thing. Saul let pride get in. And here's the danger about pride. Pride always says, I know more than God. Listen to me. The reason pride is devastating is it makes you think you know better than God. He says, when you were little in your own sight, when you said, man, you know, I'm not sure what to do. I don't know how to handle things. I don't know what I should do next. And you were totally dependent on God. But when pride gets in, you become independent of God. Remember, pride is always proportionate to your ego. The bigger your ego, the larger your pride. But that being said, what does ego stand for? It's an acronym, edging God out. The more ego you have, the more you push God out. So again, he failed to accept responsibility, but now pride's getting in and he knows more than God. But then he spiritualizes his mistakes. He finally comes to terms with, hey, I did something dumb here. But versus being transparent with it, what he does is he spiritualizes it. And he says, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. That's what Samuel's going to say to him. Because Saul's going to say, we did all this so that we can make a sacrifice to God. But Samuel says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Why? Because if you obey God, there's no need for a sacrifice to God. So here it is. Stay in your lane. Don't be obsessed with the clock. The struggle, the battle with self, being all in or not in, failing to accept responsibility, pride that says I know more than God, spiritualizing mistakes. But then... You lose your leadership equity when you can no longer hear God. No matter what God's saying, you don't hear it. 1 Samuel 15 and verse 35. And Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. What is this saying? The mouthpiece. The prophet of God is no longer speaking. He's no longer, this king is no longer hearing from God. The thing that keeps us on track is the whisper and the voice of God. Through life, through others, through the Bible, through prayer. But here's a man who had the greatest amount of leadership equity. The first king of Israel. What they wanted He's going to lose it all because he had to do everything. He wouldn't stay in his lane. He had a schedule, and if God didn't keep it, he wasn't going to trust. He struggled with self. He always kept a little bit of himself going when God said, I need you to put that on the altar. He wasn't all in. 
he would obey God to a point, but not fully. He failed to accept responsibility. He pushed it off on others. His pride said he knew better than God. And he looked at his mistakes and he said, oh, we did this just to make a sacrifice. He spiritualized them. But ultimately, he could no longer hear God in his life. I say all these things to you because as a leader, you need equity. You need equity with God and you need equity with people. And if you don't preserve the leadership equity, if you don't value it, then you'll be like Saul and you will be a leader who used to lead for God and you no longer are leading for God. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. I want to remind you of the building blocks of leadership. Uh, you can get it online at GeraldBrooksMinistries.com. It deals with the seven laws that every leader, seven laws that you have to learn, you have to master. It deals with how to work with other leaders. I found that a lot of problems are not leaders working with people below them, but leaders working with people on the same level with them. And then the seven Ps, the seven P words that really do speak to how leadership is to be conducted. So I mentioned that to you. I think it's uh, a great resource to you, and I think that you can use it and utilize it. And so thank you so very much for joining me today. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.